song, boy, I, t- I still tell you, well, that last song gets to me every time. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how am I going to preach right after this? But God gives us grace. Amen. Let's take our Bibles out tonight. Turn to Romans chapter 6, not far from where we were uh, this morning. Let me thank all those especially who brought eggs and put things together. Brother Mike and all you guys who got all that together. Kids had a good time. and. Uh, their Easter baskets were overflowing. They were pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Uh, that's how we do things here. Amen. I think that's a good witness. Uh, but appreciate all the hard work folks have put in this past week. Appreciate those who went out for outreach yesterday and had several people go out. So we had a little bit of rain come, uh, but some folks were able to go out. And uh, boy, this morning we were packed out, floor and up in the balcony. And God honors His word when we go. God calls us to go. And we go, we be obedient to that. God honors his word. God blesses and sends folks our way. And what a blessing it is to share what I believe is something good we have here at Central with folks who might be looking and needing a place to come and and be a part of a church family. Let me thank right quick those who filled in for me while I was out on a birthday slash vacation. Had a great time. Uh, Always have a great time, but uh, glad to be home. And I'm glad to be back with our people. There's no place like Central, and I'm thankful to be back tonight. Uh, looking forward to getting into the Word, and uh, pray that God will use it to help us a little bit as our last service here on Easter Sunday. Romans 6, if you're there, let's go ahead and stand together. <clears throat> Romans chapter number 6, and um, I'm going to pick up in verse 1. Let's start there just for a little bit of context. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6, verse 1, what shall we say then, question mark there, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now watch closely this next part. Obviously speaking about the resurrection here. The Bible says that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Let's pray one more time. Father, I do thank you for the great day, the great spirit today. Thank you for moving in our service, decisions that were made. And I pray that you'd work again in your word tonight. Lord, I know it's been a busy day. A lot of people are out and folks out with family because of the holidays, but Father, I pray that you bless those who are able to come, bless those able to tune in tonight, pray your will will be accomplished through your words, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The last few days while we were away, in my quiet time, preparing for this morning, preparing for tonight, began thinking a lot about the resurrection, obviously, and thinking about how often when we, we consider the resurrection and think about the resurrection, how often we look at, look at it in terms of the eternal consequences of the resurrection of Christ. Now, I think that's obvious that we would look at the fact that because Christ was raised, that one day we will be raised as well. And we look at the ramifications of the resurrection more in the distant future of heaven, eternal life, and having victory over death. Now, this morning we saw how the reality of the resurrection has long-term consequences, and I'm thankful for that. Because the resurrection of Christ, I will spend eternity in heaven with my heavenly Father, and I'm very thankful for that. And I'm looking forward to the long-term results of the resurrection of Christ. Uh, We also looked at the tail end of the message this morning, how there are very much short-term outcomes of the resurrection of Christ in our life. 
The resurrection is not just something that we're looking forward to long-term in the distant future, maybe not too far into the future, but looking forward to after we leave this life. The resurrection actually has so many wonderful benefits to us as we seek to live out now in this life. And that's what I think we miss out on. Uh, I believe there's a hesitation in the hearts and lives of God's people. I know that because I'm one of God's people and I have this hesitation myself. That because of the resurrection of Christ, I'm looking forward to what I'm going to become in that life, but sometimes I ignore what God wants me to apply in my present life because of the resurrection. God's not wanting me to just wait to live a resurrected life when I'm resurrected from this body eternally in heaven. God wants me to live a resurrected life here on this earth right now. Romans chapter 6 kind of spells that out for us. Oftentimes we're not as enthusiastic about things that are going to bring about a present change in our life. We all look forward to being resurrected. We all look forward to spend eternity in heaven with God and we're going to be around the throne and we're going to sing praises to his name all throughout eternity. We look forward to that. But isn't it ironic that a lot of the things we're going to do in eternity, we're not as enthusiastic about doing now. (laughs) Why? Because that will require a change in our life. All right, could you just be honest? Uh, we don't look for, we look forward when we're all changed, all right? Because when we get up there, we're not going to have this flesh to hold us back. I promise you, around the throne of God, you're not going to be going, are they singing? Should I sing? Should I raise my voice? Is it all right to praise the Lord? You're not going to do that. Why? Because you're not going to have this flesh to hold you back. Amen. I look forward to that. Around the throne, maybe I'll even be invited to sing in the choir. It hasn't happened yet. Give the guy a job hoping he's going to hire you to sing in the choir. No, why don't you let me sing in the own choir in our own church? No, I'm not going to be held back there. But can I tell you, we shouldn't be held back here either. All right? We should be living in the power of the resurrected life even while we're down here on planet earth. But we're hesitant about that. Why? Because living a resurrected life means we're going to have to have a change in our life. And we're amongst people, maybe in this world, who aren't as enthusiastic about you living a resurrected life in their presence. Matter of fact, we see that even more and more so commonly in public to where Christians are shouted down and ridiculed and backed into the corner with peer pressure if you try to live out Christian standards in your life. And so we're not as enthusiastic about that, and we hesitate on whether or not we're going to live a resurrected life because of the outcome, correct? The pushback. It's kind of like my daughter. She gets this from me, and I apologize for picking on you twice in a day. Man, I owe you one. I just took you on vacation. I paid in advance, amen, and I'll be paying in advance for a while because of that. We'll go to the doctor, and Miley won't be feeling good, and the doctor will say, Miley, hey, I can get you feeling better here in just a few minutes. She says, really? He says, yeah. She says, doesn't involve a shot. He says, yes. He says, well, I'm not sure that I want it. And he's saying, well, listen, this will make you feel better. Look, I love getting a steroid shot. I know I'm probably going to grow three arms or four eyes or something like that because of the steroid shots that I get. But I don't have a lot of time to be down. And so I'll say, yeah, give me a steroid shot that I can feel better. But Miley's like, no, I'd rather stay sick. She doesn't like needles. I don't like needles either. But how often are we that way in our walk with God? When it's something that's going to bring discomfort to us, When it's something that's going to inconvenience our life, we're not as interested in that. Why? Because we do not want to be inconvenienced. But the truth of the matter is tonight, the resurrected life is not just something we're going to live all throughout eternity. It's something God expects of us to live right now as born-again children of God. And I want you to notice something tonight. 
we look down in Scripture, the Bible says in verse number 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we... Now what was our word this morning? It was the word also. Because of what God did for Christ, the Bible says he shall also quicken us. That means we get to get in on what Jesus, what God did for the Son and quickening him through his spirit. But the Bible says there's something also we get in on it. We're not going to be as excited about this one. The Bible says even so we also should walk in newness of life. Do you know the resurrected life is something that people should be able to tell? Give an example. John chapter 12, verses 9, the the Bible, speaking of Lazarus, the Bible says much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there, and they came out not for Jesus' sake only, but they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. They found the resurrected life of Lazarus something interesting. They said, just a few days ago, we put this guy in the ground, and his sister said, he's probably stinking by now. Not something you want your sister to say about you. But I think we've all experienced that. <laughs> and he's in the grave, and yet now he's sitting at the dinner table, and Jesus was there. And the Bible says they were coming there to see Jesus, but not just for Jesus. They wanted to come and see the resurrected life. They wanted to lay their eyes on it. And can I tell you something today? I believe our world wants to see that too. I believe today that there's so many of us who name the name of Christ. We say that we're born again children of God. We got the bumper sticker and the t-shirt and all that goes with it. And people are waiting to see the change that a resurrected life should bring. I mean, you could tell Lazarus was not where he was. A lot of change came into his life. And they recognized that, and it was a testimony, and it was a witness. Now, I believe with all of my heart tonight, the resurrected life is something that should be visible. It's something that should be recognizable. For the next few minutes tonight, we're going to preach on that subject. I believe tonight we look down to verse number four. The Bible says we also should walk in newness of life. I want to show you how to recognize the resurrection. This morning we looked at how to realize it. How do we realize the resurrection? Tonight we're going to look at how to recognize the resurrection. And what we're going to see tonight is the Bible shows us that a resurrected life is something that people should be able to notice. So let's look at Romans chapter 6. There's three identifiers there. Obviously, I could give you more, but man, you had such a great spirit this morning and hung with me. We're just going to give you the three the Lord gave us, okay? Verse number 4. The Bible says toward the tail end of this verse, even so we also. And watch this next word. It's the word should. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. And you look that word up, I love looking up words. I look and see what they really mean. It's amazing how it gives you a 3D effect to the word of God like a pop-up book. The word should indicates obligation, duty, or correctness. Obligation, duty, or correctness. Now here's what he's saying. Because we have been raised with Christ as this morning, we've been quickened by his spirit. The Bible says there's some things that we should be about. That means there's some things that come along with this new, new life that we are obligated to. It is our duty and they are correct for us to be about. What are they? Well, the Bible says, even so, we also should. That means, number one tonight, recognizing the resurrection or the resurrected life. Notice we recognize it through a change in our priorities. 
a change in our priorities. Now, where does that come from? Well, he says here there are some things we should do. There's some things that when we are raised up to walk in newness of life that should be. There are obligations, duties, requirements, things that are correct for us to be about. You know what that is? That's a priority. That as a child of God, after I am born again, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, I'm walking in newness of life, you should be able to see and recognize the newness of life and a change of my priorities. Now you think about this tonight, when we're either lost or out of the will of God, think about how we live our life. When you were lost or maybe we're out of the will of God and we've all been there, how did you live your life? Oftentimes, we lived our lives doing the things, watch, that we could do, not the things that we should do, right? Is that what the Bible says? The fruit that we had in those things, we're now ashamed of. Why? Because rather than do the things that we should, we lived in the flesh, we did all of the things that we could. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about Solomon this afternoon, Ecclesiastes 2. Listen to what he says in verse 1. I said in mine heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth or pleasure. Therefore, enjoy pleasure, and behold, this is all vanity. What did he say? If you read through Ecclesiastes, Solomon went out to do all that he could do. And by the way, he had the power to do a lot, didn't he? The Bible says he got manservants and maidservants. He built houses and had pools and gardens and groves. He did all that he could do for pleasure, all right? But what did he say at the end of his life in chapter 12, verse 13? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. You see, living the, re- the resurrected life, it's where we shift ourselves from doing that which we could do and we do that which we should do. That now as a child of God, I wear the name of Christ. You ever think about that? How easy it for, is it for us to say, I'm a Christian? I mean, that's pretty easy. You go to the hospital and you fill out that thing and ask you your, your denomination, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a Baptist, whatever it is. It's so easy. But do you ever think about what a privilege that is? What a privilege. I get to wear the name of Christ. And not only do I get to wear the name of Christ, I get, watch this, to be called the sons of God. You think about that. What a privilege. Now, do we think for a moment tonight that such a great privilege is going to be without obligation and responsibility and duty? Not at all. And you should see that. How? Verse 4, we also should walk in newness of life. What does that mean? That means after we get saved, we're born again, people should see a difference in our life and they should see it in our priorities. I've always wanted to preach a message entitled this, the Lord's never given me liberty to, about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And the message would be this, what happened to her water pot? But there, the Lord's never given me liberty to preach that one. So I just, if you ever want to, I'll give it to you. But he's never given me liberty to do it. You ever wonder what happened to her water pot? What was she doing at the well? Her priorities go get water. And suddenly she comes to know Christ. She is born again. All right, now she is living the resurrected life, and suddenly the water pot just kind of disappears. What happened? Her priorities changed. You see, one of the ways that the resurrected life is recognizable, our priorities change. Think about the demoniac. I talk about him a lot, but man, what an illustration of a resurrected life. Ran naked through the tombs, scared folks. I mean, wild man, nobody could tame him. And now he's sitting clothed in his right mind, and he wants to follow Jesus. What happened? 
His priorities changed. You could see it in his life. I mean, I've always pictured him, you know, in one of those sweater vests, Argyle sweater vest, with his leg crossed with maybe some glasses on, probably reading an encyclopedia. That's what I've always just pictured him doing there, you know. He's gone from this crazy wild man to this calm, just, you know, docile creature. What happened? His priorities changed. No longer is he wanting to run through the graveyards and the tombs terrorizing people. He's wanting to go evangelize people. What happened to that man? Well, you could recognize there was a change in his priorities all because what happened? He's now living a resurrected life. Folks, can I tell you, nothing's changed in 2023. I know people don't like to hear it. I know people get mad about it. But as a child of God, there are some things you should be doing now that you weren't doing then. There should be a change in our life with the things that our focus is on and our priorities on. You know, before we get saved, we're living this life down here. We want to build all that we can. The Bible says that after you get saved, you set your affection on things above. I like to think about it crosshairs. You quit aiming down here and you start aiming up there. You see, everything changes. Why? Because that's the resurrected life we're called to live. Watch verse 4. Even so, we also should. That means we have duty, obligation, and responsibility to our priorities to follow Christ. One of my favorite songs is Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. I love that song. Do you know why? Because it shows us a pivot point. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. I'm not going to sing. Don't panic. Some of you are like, oh dear, he's fixing to sing. No, we've already squared up that uh, nobody wants me to sing, okay? But what does it say? Since Jesus came into my heart. One of the verses says, I've ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus came into my heart. You know what that is? That's a change of priority. Everything changes when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And somebody ought to be able to look at your life and say, oh, my soul, there's a change in their priorities. They do things different. They're not living for here. They're living for there. They're not living for self. They're living for others. I can tell their priorities are changed. That's how you recognize the resurrected life. You ought to be able to see it in the things we should be about. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. Listen to what the Bible says. In this, the children of God are manifest. What does that mean? Recognized. Brought to life. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Ouch. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Wait a minute, you mean the Christian life should be manifested? Absolutely. We've gotten so far away from that in the Christian church in America. I'm not just talking about Baptist churches. Anything that names the name Christian, we've gotten so far away from the fact that we should be living a recognizable resurrected life. We've gotten so far away from that, it's pitiful that when somebody preaches it, they get persecuted for it. Well, that guy's a whack job. Well, look, you voted me in, all right? Doubt your own discernment, all right? You voted it in. Hear me out tonight. This is the truth of the word of God. What does it say? There's some things that we should walk in after we have received and live in the resurrected life. Now, I want to tell you, boy, I was reading verse, verse number 10 in, in 1 John 3 today. And, well, this one hit home for me a little bit. <clears throat> the Bible says that we should love one another. Is everybody easy to love? <clears throat> Not at all. You're looking at one of the hardest people to love. You are. 
And I'm looking at some of the hardest people to love too. All right? It goes both ways. Boy, there are times I hurt your feelings and you hurt mine. And my flesh doesn't want to live a resurrected life. My flesh says, you know what, I'm going to get even. You ever felt that way? Help me out a little bit, okay? Anybody else have any carnality still alive? Okay, good, good. Some of you are like, well, I sang the song, the old man is dead. Well, mine's on life support, okay? <clears throat> I wish he was dead, but he's not. And you know, I could get you back. But I'm not supposed to live by what I could do. I'm supposed to live by what I should do. I have a duty, an obligation, and responsibility. Well, the Bible says that ye should love one another. You know, if somebody hurts your feelings, you could get bitter. You could. You could. But you should love one another. That's what we're called to do. I'll tell you, in our marriages today, let me tell you what will help your marriage. If you quit doing what you could and start doing what you should. It will help your marriage. Change your home, change your children. Yeah, you could tell them that. Look, I've told you before, my brain at times can come up with the best zingers to win an argument. You know, the bomb you drop to end the argument, the mic drop moment, I got you, it's over, don't even say anything else. Sometimes in my family, sometimes with my friends, sometimes with people I don't even know. And you could. But the Bible says you should love one another. You have a duty, responsibility, obligation to do that. Why? Because you're living a resurrected life. Guys, do we have the uh, slide of uh, John Newton's tombstone? I'm sure you've seen it before. The author of Amazing Grace, this is his tombstone. And I love what he has here. John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. What a change of priority. What a change of priority. Where did that come from? He started living a resurrected life. And oh, you could see it in the priorities of, of the life of, of John Newton. Number one tonight, how do we recognize a resurrection? Well, the Bible says you're going to recognize in our priorities things you should be walking in. Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know it well. The Bible tells us to be a living sacrifice. That's not something we could do. That's something we should do. So number one, we see it in our priorities. Number two, where does the resurrection show up in our life? It ought to show up. Well, the Bible says in verse 4, we also should walk in newness of life. So what is verse 4 telling us to do? Well, the Bible says there's some things we should, and then watch this, walk in. There should be some things that we walk in. That term, walk in, simply means our conduct or our direction. The first way that you can recognize a resurrection in someone's life is in their priorities. Watch it. Oh, if we wanted to show the world what Lazarus showed them, let them see our priorities. But number two, notice the Bible says there's some things we should walk in. Walk in is obviously a direction. That's number two. The, rec the resurrection is recognized in a change in our direction. The Bible says we should walk in newness of life. Now, here's what's interesting. Although point one and point two are separate, they really build upon each other. So how does that work? <clears throat> Over time, the choice of your priorities is going to establish your direction. Okay? What you have is a priority in your life. Say, so this is a priority of mine. It's going to establish the direction you go. Think about this tonight. Say you have a priority in your life to keep up with the modern trends of life. Okay? Okay? 
Maybe it's in fashion or maybe it's in uh, attitude or music. I don't know, whatever the modern trends are. Obviously, you can look at me and tell, I do not have that priority in my life. But if that was a priority, it would determine the direction of your life eventually. Maybe you desire to be rich. You say, hey, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 40. Hey, go at it, work at it. We're in the land of opportunity. See if you can make that happen to the glory of God. And so if that is a priority of yours, can I tell you what you're going to do? It's going to determine the direction of your life. You'll be getting up at 4 a.m. You'll be working way past dark. You'll be working as much as you can, taking extra jobs. Why? Because that's the priority you're working toward. So it determines your direction. Now here's something I want you to think about. Have you ever seen this guy? Put that picture up there right quick, guys. There's a guy I want you to meet tonight. His name is Donald Gorski. Attractive looking fellow right there. He's probably a bachelor if you're looking to get married just by my guesses there. Donald Gorski is an amazing man. He should go down in world history as one of my heroes. He set the world record as the ultimate Big Mac fan. How so, you might ask? Well, he's eaten over 32,672 Big Macs in his life. In 2022, he celebrated 50, his 50th year of eating a Big Mac every day. Now, why he's so skinny, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't have a car and has to walk to McDonald's, and maybe that's what works it for him. 32,672 Big Macs in his life, and in 2022, he celebrated his 50th year of eating a Big Mac every day. Could I just tell you straight up? I would love to meet the man, and I would love to ask him at what point in your life were you laying in bed, mapping out the course of your life? Do I be president? Do I be an astronaut? Do I run the Olympics? And you settle on, I want to be the guy that eats one Big Mac every day for 50 years. I'd love to just know how that happened, because it happened. It had to happen. All right, he did it for 50 years. Now, watch this, watch this. For some odd reason that maybe we will never know, as long as we are coherent, he made that decision of that priority, that he was going to eat a Big Mac every day. Can I tell you, that determined the direction of his life. The priority that, I mean, do you realize he could never get so far away from, a, I mean, when he mapped his vacations, he had to map them around McDonald's. Think about it. Honey, can we go to France? I don't know. Do they have a McDonald's? Honey, I'm thinking about going to Egypt. Do they have a McDonald's in one of those pyramids? I mean, the priority ultimately decided the whole direction of his life. Now, just to be honest with you, I don't know on my deathbed if I could be really fulfilled knowing that's what I did with my whole life. You know, now I may eat that many, but I still didn't make it a goal. You know, I did other things in the meantime. But as a priority, that determined the direction of his life. Can I tell you, as a child of God... You've got to allow the Lord and his word to decide what your priorities are. Why? Because the resurrected life is, should show up in the direction of our life. Notice he says we should walk in newness of life. Now, I want you to think about Zacchaeus tonight. Here's Zacchaeus. He gets saved, comes to know the Lord. It's amazing what he said. He said, if I have taken from any man, I'll restore it. Now Watch. He said, what I used to take, now I'm willing to give. It's a change in direction. Instead of taking in, taking in, taking in, that's why I just wish the government would get saved. Amen? 
government got say, we'd all get checks in the mail, give us our money back, amen. Change in direction. You can tell the government's not living a resurrected life, okay. That's their problem. Every time we write a tax check, just remember that. They're not living the resurrected life. Put that in a, a card to them. Tell them they need to be doing that. But it, direction changed. You could see it. In his life, he didn't say, all right, I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I'm going to go back the same direction that I was going. No. Instead of taking, he's now giving. His direction has changed. I want you to think about that demoniac again. He was fearful of Christ. Now he's faithful to Christ. His direction's changed. Can I ask you this tonight? Just a simple question, not meaning to be mean. But can people look at your life and tell by the direction of your life that you're living the resurrected life? You're walking in newness of life. Your direction has changed because of who you come to know as your Savior. Romans 12, 2, and I'll hurry. They tell me that clock is fast, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them at face value. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, perfect, acceptable will of God. Now, there's something I want you to see there. The Bible says not to be conformed, but to be what? Transform. Would you say that means to change? When I was a kid, I had transformers. They're probably worth a lot of money now, but who knows where they are. And you'd have Optimus Prime there. Do y'all remember that? You guys were in the 80s. Come on, shake your head. Amen, man. That was awesome, wasn't it? This little toy. Amen, Brother Richard. First time he's got excited about anything today. Talking about toys. Oh, I love Brother Richard. They had a truck that became a man. And he had the best voiceover. The guy who did that, every once in a while, I'll walk around my house, tell my wife, let's roll out. She doesn't know where it came from, but that's where it came from. It came from Transformers. And it went from a truck to this man. It was amazing. Then you had these guys that became airplanes. They were transformed. You know what that means? They were changed. They were changed. Folks, I still believe the Word of God teaches that in the life of the child of God, there ought to be a change. And one of the most obvious areas of change ought to be a change of direction in our life. But unfortunately, you look at most Christians today, they get their salvation and continue on the road that they were on. You look at Romans 12, 2 again. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, it's amazing how often we try to split hairs with right or wrong. But you know the question should be this. It's not right or wrong. Because, boy, let me tell you, we as Christians are really good with splitting hairs to get out of the word of God what we want it to say. Amen? All right, I'm the only heathen in here. All right. Me and Brother Richard back there, the only heathen. Well, you knew he was because the only amen about toys. It's not a question of right or wrong. Can I get away with this? That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. Can I get away with this? Can you show me a verse where that's wrong? Okay, I'm going to do it anyway. All right? It's a question of conforming or transforming. It's about direction. It's about direction. Am I going in the direction of conforming or am I going in the direction of transforming? You see, it's all about direction in the resurrected life and we should be heading in the direction of being transformed. I'm going from being the 18-wheeler Optimus Prime to the big old strong battle bot Optimus Prime. Looks totally different than it was. Some of you aren't getting that. You guys go home and watch some YouTube videos of Transformers and you'll get that a little bit better. I believe that's why 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us, verse 32 or 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. That's not just saying abstain from doing evil. The Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, why is the word appearance so important? Because it shows direction. It shows direction. You know, there were some things when I was growing up, mom and dad wouldn't let us do. Not because we found chapter and verse of why they, we shouldn't do that. 
but it trended in a direction. There was Christian music, and I say that very loosely. There was Christian music we weren't allowed to listen to. He said, but it says God in it. Don't get me started. You listen to this and you listen to that, and slowly you're trending in a direction to something that's not even Christian at all. You see, it's about direction. The resurrected life, the Bible says, we should, obligation, priority, walk in, there's direction. The direction should be visible. We're not doing what we used to do. I remember the owl years ago leading that psalmist, Stacy's dad. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. No. We've quit singing that song. We still do the things we used to do. Go the places we used to go. There's no change. Can I ask you, can we really fault the world for not believing in a resurrected Savior when they're not able to see a resurrected life? Can we fault the world by saying, yes, Jesus rose. He gives us newness of life. And they're like, prove it. If he gives newness of life and he raises us to walk in newness of life, where's it at? You know, even Jesus said, if you believe not me, believe my works. When disputing about whether or not he was the son of God, he says, look, if you don't believe me, believe my works. You know what he said? He says, watch me. That means, hey, you'll recognize it. You'll recognize it. Number two tonight. Are you getting quiet on me, all right? A change in direction. Finally, I'll give you the easiest one, the shortest one. How do we recognize the resurrection? Well, the Bible says, even so, we also should walk in And the last part says newness of life. So we see you can recognize the resurrected life and a change in our priorities. You ought to see it in things you should be doing. Number two, you see it in a change in our direction. But I want to show you something here at the very end of this verse that really is the root of all of it, okay? The Bible says we should walk in newness of life. Do you know that God didn't just change my eternity? Now, I'm thankful I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be able to say, I can't go to hell. I can't go to hell. I can't. I can't. Why? Because I'm sealed unto the day of redemption. I have everlasting and eternal life. We preached about that this morning. I'm thankful for that. I'm excited about that. But you know, God didn't just change my eternal destiny. God also changed me. Watch close, if you will. The Bible says that I've been given a new life that I should walk in. I don't believe he's talking about when I get to the streets of gold. Man, can I tell you, when I get to heaven, oh, I'm going to walk in newness of life down the streets of gold. I think I'm going to have a head full of hair. I really do. No bald spots anywhere. But Aaron posted a picture. But Aaron, you're new. He didn't realize he posted a picture today. You can see my ball spot. It's a rule here at Central. You always have to cover it up. Now he's blaming his wife. Don't do that. It's that woman that you gave me. Gosh. On Easter Sunday, throw your wife under the bus. Man, I'm going to have a singing voice for the Zach's going to be begging me to sing in the heavenly choir. I don't think that's what verse 4 is talking about. Man, when we get up there, we're going to walk in newness of life. We're going to have a nice robe. Oh, it's going to be. I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's talking to the church at Rome here, and he says, hey, this is something you should be doing now. Why? Because, number three, the resurrected life, you see it recognizable in a change in our person. You see, I've been given a new life, not just a new destination to spend eternity. 
I've been given a new life down here, not just a new heavenly father. I'm thankful for eternity. I'm thankful for my father. But I've been given a new life. God's changed who I am. So I don't know if I believe that. Well, let me prove it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you know it well. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Notice it didn't say if any man be in Christ, he has a new heavenly home, which we do. If any man be in Christ, he has a new heavenly father, which we do. He wanted the church at Corinth to know, hey, you're not who you used to be. God has not just changed those things. He's changed you. And people ought to be able to look at your life and tell, hey, that guy ain't who he used to be. Why? Because we have a change in our person. It should be recognizable. Now, what's amazing is if you can read this verse from the bottom up, actually, because the change in our person is what's going to bring about change in our priorities. The change in our person is what's going to be, bring about the change of direction in our life. It's because of who we are now that we do what he's called us to do. So how do you know? Look at verse 21. And I'm going to hurry. The Bible says, what fruit had ye then? That's a past tense word. In those things whereof ye are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. Now being made free from sin and become servants to God. Notice it's changed who we are. We are now servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness. Oh, there's that word we don't like, but it's still there. You have your fruit unto holiness and the, ever, the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Tonight, can I tell you, I, I believe this morning we looked at the reality of the resurrection, realizing it. But tonight, I think we need to start recognizing it. Recognizing it in God's word that in my life, you should see what God did in my heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, God's changed who we are. If you go through the word of God, you'll find oftentimes where we are told who we are. Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the salt of the earth. By the way, you know when God bought you and purchased you, he has every right to tell you who you are. Be careful of biting off a piece of the philosophy from our modern day society. that says, don't tell me who to love, don't tell me who I am. No, no, no. If you belong to God, he can tell you whatever he wants to tell you. I've had people get mad at me, and I know that comes with a job. And they say, were you telling me how to live my life? I'm trying to tell you how God says to live your life. And I get it. Look, it's smart to get mad at the preacher and not at God, okay? I can't zap you. He can. So I get it. That's why you get mad at me. Talk about me. I get it. Totally get it. Makes sense, okay? Self-preservation. But in this book, the Bible tells us who we are now. When he sat down, the book of Matthew, with those new disciples, he says, ye are the light. Ye are the salt. Do you know why he told them that? Because as light and as salt, there are responsibilities that they should be about. He didn't say, you're going to be light, no particular reason. I just, I like light, so you're going to be light. That's not why he did that. Do you know why he told them they were light? Because they had a duty, an obligation, and responsibility to shine. You see? He said, that's who you are. Look, I'm changing who you are. You were a fisherman. Now you're going to be a fisher of men. I've changed who you are. Therefore, it should be recognizable. Is light recognizable? It absolutely is. Is salt recognizable? 
Oh, it sure is. You ever eat at somebody's house that don't put salt on their food? Tough sledding, isn't it? Salt makes a difference. It's recognizable. Now tonight, I believe, as we celebrate and we, we close out this Resurrection Sunday, the reality of it, we preached about this morning, we have life that's forever and it gives freedom. I'm thankful for the reality of the resurrection and what it means to me. But then tonight, can I tell you, we ought to be able to recognize a resurrection. In our life, we ought to ask ourselves, not right, wrong, conforming or transforming. Can people tell you're living a resurrected life by the priorities you have? Can people tell that you live a resurrected life and you are one of the resurrected ones by the direction of your life? Can people tell tonight that you are born again, you've been quickened by the Spirit of God by the change in your person, who you are. Now, folks, I believe tonight that our world will be more readily acceptable of what we say. And they're never going to accept it all. If they could see it, they could recognize it. Several years ago, I bought a new car, many years ago, and it had that new car smell. And there's nothing like a new car smell. And I had the car for several years, and being a single guy, it didn't smell like a new car anymore. You know, French fries fall down between the seed and everyone's why you throw a deer in the trunk. I mean, you know, just whatever you had to do. I'm an American, okay? I use my stuff. And I remember I went to a vacuum one day and I was vacuuming out my car. And there it had this little spray thing that you could pay 50 cents to improve the aroma of your vehicle. One of the aromas on there was new car smell. I thought to myself. That's what I need. And so I paid the 50 cents. I'm spraying it all in my car. I think I may even paid another 50 cents to get a double dose in there. Single guy, you know, it, it didn't smell new anymore. And I remember riding home thinking, you know, maybe, but it's not really the same. It just wasn't really the same. All I did was put some perfume over stink. That's all I did. You know, when Jesus rose from the, the dead... You got saved and he quickened you as the Father, the Spirit of the Father raised him. He didn't just spray perfume on stink. You're new. You ought to have that new Christian smell, that new Christian lifestyle. People ought to be able to watch the priorities and direction of your life and say, look, they didn't just spray perfume on stink. That's, that's a different person. And oh, tonight, the witness, I believe it would be, they gathered round a house to see Lazarus. <laughs> but Jesus is here. But look, that's Lazarus. And he's living a resurrected life. I wonder tonight how we could influence this lost world if people could just recognize the resurrection in our life. Amen. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.